You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. You know, church, it is hard to believe that Christmas is only two weeks away. Christmas of 2020, isn't that crazy? Two weeks away? Like, where did the time go? I know that's cliche and whatever, but like, this, this year's a little bit different. Like, the time literally just kind of went. I actually saw a t-shirt that kind of described this year in a nutshell, and it read this, January, February, quarantine, December. That's kind of our year in a nutshell. Uh, Whatever happened between March and November is anyone's guess. It's just a blur. We're just all of a sudden here now, and Christmas is two weeks away. But I don't know about you, but I'm okay with it. Like, I'm okay with Christmas being right around the corner. Uh, As the old song says, we all need a little Christmas. You guys are like, come on, let's go, it's Christmas time. If you're with me and you need a little Christmas after a rough year, say, rup a pum pum. I love it. I got you guys to say that this morning. You know, one of my favorite things about Christmas is making memories with family. I can still recall when I was a child uh, going to my grandparents' house on Christmas Day, and my cousins and I would gather in their basement and anxiously await the arrival of Santa Claus. And strangely enough, almost every year, my grandfather had to go get ice cream right when Santa arrived. It was crazy. Uh, He always missed out. But nevertheless, we had a blast. And sometimes during or after Santa's visit, we would gather around and sing Christmas carols together. Do any of you guys sing Christmas carols when you're with your families? Um, And and so our go-to carol was the 12 days of Christmas. And it was for good reason. You see, my late uncle wasn't a big fan of sing-alongs. And so naturally, we wanted to make sure that he was part of our adventures of singing. And, uh, and so the very first time we sang the 12 days of Christmas, we split up into different parts, and my uncle got four calling birds. And, uh, and so we went through the song, and when it got to my uncle's part, he unenthusiastically said, four birds, just like that. And so we're singing, we're all having a lot of fun, five golden rings, four birds, three French hens, Right? And so we were just cracking up, and it was hysterical. So every year after that, we wanted to make sure that my uncle always got four birds. Now, as you can imagine, a bunch of young kids and adults singing the 12 Days of Christmas, 12 days of Christmas together was terribly messy at times, and, and sometimes even frustrating. But in the end, we were blessed by it. It brought us a ton of joy. And friends, this just got me to thinking, you know, the same is true, or at least should be true, when it comes to the Christian life. God has a way of bringing joy out of the struggle. He has a way of bringing fruit out of the frustration. He has a way of bringing Mary out of the mess. Romans 8.28 says it best. We quote it all the time, but do we really believe it? Look at it. And we know that God causes all things, good things, bad things, messy things, frustrating things, things we don't understand, all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And so this morning, as we continue our Christmas series, Finding the Mary Within the Mess, we're going to revisit the account of God choosing Mary to be the mother of the Messiah. And we're also going to look at the inevitable trials or mess that she would face along the way. Yet in doing so, we're also going to see how God's hand of blessing was upon her. And it's through her example of faith that we're going to be reminded of an important truth to remember when it comes to our own lives, and it's this. Even within the mess, believers are greatly blessed. 
And so with that, I'd like you to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. And if you don't have your own copy of Scripture, it's page 885 uh, in your pew Bible. And as you're turning there, I'm going to ask God's blessing on our time in his word this morning. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for the opportunity to open up your word, God, and look at this amazing account of Scripture. And so, God, I pray that your hand of, of blessing would be upon me as I, as I teach your word, Father. I don't want to get in the way. I want your Holy Spirit, Lord. Uh, we all desire that your Holy Spirit speaks to us and speaks through me this morning. So, Father, I ask humbly that you would do so and that you would, you would teach us something uh, refreshing about yourself and encouraging to our hearts. And I ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So now, before we jump into today's passage of Scripture, uh, allow me to provide just a little bit of background on Mary. Uh, you see, Mary was a young woman, likely a teenager, who lived a simple and, and really a poor life uh, in her hometown of Nazareth. Mary didn't hold any high p- positions or she, any prestige or anything like that. From the world's perspective, Mary was a nobody, and she was engaged to another nobody, and his name was Joseph. Now, engagement in ancient Jewish culture had a much different meaning than engagement has, say, today. It was much more binding. You see, after the the announcement was made, a couple would be considered pledged to one another. In fact, many were called husband and wife even before the actual marriage took place, the ceremony took place. And even though the Jewish couple wasn't officially married, their relationship um, could only be broken through death or divorce during the patrol period. So this was a big deal. And so the engagement period itself would last for up to one year. And during this time, the future husband would find work and housing and so forth. And likewise, during this time, there were no intimate relations uh, permitted. And this was to symbolize the bride's purity. If she were found to be pregnant during this time, the marriage could be annulled and her reputation completely ruined. And so it's kind of with that context that we're going to jump into uh, today's narrative. So let's kind of read the whole thing and then we'll break it down a bit. It's Luke chapter 1, uh, verses 26 through twenty. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you shall conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how's this going to be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am your servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You know, church, a few months ago, I was looking at my keychain. And I realized that I had about six or seven keys on it that I had no clue what they belonged to. Does anybody have a keychain like that? You just have all these keys on it, and, and they keep building up, and all of a sudden it gets pretty heavy. And you're like, what are all these keys? What, what do they belong to? 
And so I removed the keys and I stuck them in a drawer um, because I know that at one point these keys were very important enough to hang on to. Maybe some of them still are. I just simply don't remember why they're important. In his book, Soul Rest, Curtis Zachary notes, for many of us, this is how we view the gospel. We look at the story of Jesus' redemption like a key that unlocked the gate to eternal life and opened uh, up a way to salvation. And we shared a lot about how important this key was when we first discovered it for ourselves. Over time, the good news of the gospel is shared less to the point that it becomes like the key that we know is somehow important uh, to the Christian life, but we can't remember why. And he says we have to remember the significance of the gospel, even as followers of Jesus. Friends, I share that with you because I believe the same could be true when it comes to these Christmas accounts. I know it is for me. As we dive into today's study, I want to encourage you to avoid the fallout of familiarity. You see, for many of us, it's easy to view the events that surrounded the birth of Christ as mere stories that we tell during the month of December. And because we're so used to hearing them, they kind of lose their impact along the way. You know, as a pastor, you know, almost every year we, we preach through some of these stories. And so we got to, every time we, we prepare a sermon, we got to say, God, give me some fresh perspective and eyes on this because it is, it is very familiar. And I think we need to do the same as a whole church body. Because found within today's passage are some incredible factors that set into motion the birth of Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you, as far as it depends on you, to view them with fresh eyes this morning. Amen? And so let's begin by looking at the first factor. It's this, the appearance. The appearance. Again, verses 26 through 29. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Church, I don't know about you, I just kind of noticed this as I, as I was studying this week. I find Mary's initial reaction to Gabriel's appearance absolutely fascinating. Because scripture gives no account that she was afraid. You see that? You pick up on that? Have you ever noticed that? And when you consider the other angelic appearances in scripture, it makes this observation even more fascinating. You see, when the angel appeared to Zechariah, he began by saying, Do not be afraid. Why? Because Zechariah was afraid. When the angels appeared to the shepherds in the field, they began by saying, fear not. Wow. Why? Because the shepherds were afraid. But in Mary's case, the angel said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Apparently, Mary must have been pretty thick-skinned or something. Because I don't know about you, but if an angel appears to me, and I don't care what their greeting is, I'm running from the hills, right? And I'm leaving everyone else behind. Because that's some scary stuff. But nevertheless, Mary's first reaction wasn't fear at all, but rather confusion. She was troubled at the thought that a heavenly being would come to see her, of all people. It's like she was thinking, um, I think you might have the wrong Mary here. One commentator notes, Mary was a young, poor female. All characteristics that, to the people of her day, would make her seem unusable by God. But God chose Mary for one of the most important acts of obedience he has ever demanded of anyone. You see, Mary in humility didn't see herself as worthy of this type of heavenly appearance. 
And she certainly didn't understand why she would be considered favored by the Lord. But church, listen, therein lies a vivid picture of God's grace. You see, there are many people whose theology teaches that Mary was sinless and lived a perfect life, which is why God chose her to be the mother of the Messiah. But Scripture gives no indication of such assertions. Frankly put, Scripture doesn't really tell us why God's special grace was upon Mary other than it was. And friends, this reality should bring you great encouragement. Listen, you may feel like your ability, your experience, or your education makes you an unlikely candidate for God's service. You may feel like your background or even your brokenness limits what you can and can't do for the Lord. And if you feel that way, I want you to listen. Broken crayons can still color. Mary's example shows us that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. God chose a most unlikely candidate to accomplish his most amazing task. In fact, when you look at scripture, that's pretty much how God works across the board. The people he chooses are not really the ones that you or I would choose. And so therefore, I want you to be encouraged that in spite of our weaknesses, God can and still will, God can and will use you and I to accomplish his tasks as well. It's all about his grace. It's nothing we've earned. It's just God using his people to do his work. And this leads us to the second factor that set into motion the birth of Jesus, the announcement. The announcement. Look at verses 30 through 33. And so the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. There it is. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. See, friends, one year a father asked his little boy what he wanted for Christmas. And the boy replied, a baby sister. And as it turned out, the wife was pregnant that year and delivered on Christmas Eve. And so the next day, on Christmas Day, she brought home a brand new baby sister for their son. The next year, when the father asked his little boy what he wanted for Christmas, the boy said, well, if it wouldn't make mommy too uncomfortable, I'd like a pony. Church, Gabriel's pregnancy announcement would have undoubtedly made Mary a little bit uncomfortable, and for good reason. Notice that for a second time, the angel told Mary that she found favor with God. And while this was certainly true, enjoying God's favor didn't mean that she was going to enjoy an easy life. In fact, enjoying God's favor meant that Mary's life was going to get much, much harder. Her premarital pregnancy would bring much misunderstanding and undeserved shame for the rest of her life. It would threaten her engagement to Joseph. It would invite ridicule from peers. And it would perhaps even threaten her own life. In fact, under strict Old Testament law, Mary could have been stoned because of this. And so even though she was blessed to have the privilege of being the mother of the Messiah, Mary would endure much pain along the way. And you know what? Her pain would culminate when she watched her son be rejected and murdered on the cross. And so, church, I just think there's an important lesson to be learned here. You see, when God calls us to a task, 
it doesn't mean that the road to fulfilling that task will be without roadblocks. I'm reminded of the beloved words of Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Friends, we must remember that as followers of Jesus Christ, we are not promised a life devoid of the valley, but we are promised the very presence of the Lord within the valley. And we're promised that he will carry us when we're weak and comfort us when we're burdened and come alongside us to fulfill the task that he has set before us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Look at Psalm 138, verses 7 through 8. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. Verse 8, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. An important thing to remember there. Now before we move on, it is worth noting that Gabriel's announcement is packed with rich truths some of which concern the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And while we don't have time to get into all of these truths this morning, I would like to focus on one notable detail because it has the greatest implications for you and I today. Namely, the name of the Christ child. Gabriel said, you shall call his name, what? Jesus. You see, Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua, meaning Yahweh saves. And if you recall the story of Joshua, it was Joshua who had led God's people into the promised land. Well, in the same way, Jesus would lead his people into eternal life. Church, this is notable because names were kind of a big deal back in Jewish culture. And the symbolism of Jesus' name was not going to be lost on the people of his day. In fact, people of his day viewed names as carrying power. And we all know that Jesus' name carries some power, yes? Jesus demonstrated this power through his miracles and ultimately through his death and resurrection. And this is what led the Apostle Paul to write in Philippians 2, 9, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, Jesus. And so why does this truth matter to us? It matters because nothing has changed, church. Nothing's changed. There's still power in the name of Jesus. There's power to redeem and power to restore and power to revive the soul. Friends, when life pushes you down, it is Jesus who will always be there to pull you back up. He alone is our source of salvation. I love the picture that's given in Isaiah 41.10. My kids are actually memorizing this verse right now. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be discouraged, for I am your God, and I will strengthen you and help you, and I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Tim Keller rightly said, as many have learned and later taught, you don't realize that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Friends, we must remember that having Jesus means having it all. Amen? Now, getting back to the text, the angel announced that Mary, a virgin, would conceive and give birth to Jesus. And so, uh, we certainly can't blame Mary for asking a, a clarifying question or two, right? And so, that's exactly what she did. Verse 34, and Mary said to the angel, 
how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is a sixth month with her who is called barren. You see, unlike Zechariah who asked for a sign to prove the angel's words, Mary didn't ask for a sign. She simply inquired, like, how is this going to happen? Because she was a virgin. And the angel announced that it would happen supernaturally by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, interestingly enough, God, in his grace, gave Mary a sign anyway, even though she didn't ask for it. Elizabeth, even though she was old, well past the point of being able to conceive, and barren, physically unable to conceive, she was six months pregnant. And this was to display a trait about the Lord that is just as true now, church, as it was 2,000 years ago. Nothing is impossible with God. Friends, we need to start believing that more. Because I don't know what impossible situation you may be facing. Maybe it's a family member who's walked away from the Lord. Maybe it's a loved one who needs to be saved. Maybe it's something having to do with work. Maybe it's just a spiritual breakthrough that desperately needs to occur in your life or in the life of somebody that you know and love. Whatever it is, church, I want to encourage you. Stay faithful and keep praying. For nothing is impossible with God. And this leads us to the last factor that set into motion the birth of Jesus, the acceptance. Good verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Church, it's no surprise that Christmas is the season for giving and receiving gifts, right? And we've all had those Christmases where we receive that weird gift, that we're not quite sure what to do with it or how to respond to it, right? I don't know how you were raised, like if your parents said, no matter what you get, you're going to show thanks for it and that's it. Or if you, you know, you're raised in a different way where you can kind of return whatever it is you got. But the reality is we've all been there. We've gotten that gift and we weren't really sure how to respond to it. Well, I came across a tool this past week in my research. Very important tool. Responses that you can have towards weird gifts you received this Christmas. Non-offensive responses, and so here are eight of them. Uh, Feel free, these are all free, so feel free to use whatever one you want this Christmas season. Number one, well, 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 now there's a gift. Number two, no, really, I didn't know there was a chia pet tie. Oh, wow, it's a clip-on, too. (laughs) Number three, you know, I, I always wanted one of these. Can you jog my memory? What's it called again? Number four, you know what? I'm going to find a very special place to put this. Number five, boy, you don't see craftsmanship like that every day. Number six, and it's such an interesting color. Number seven, you say this was the last one, huh? Am I glad you snapped that baby up? And then number eight, you shouldn't have. No, really, I mean it. You really shouldn't have. We've all used a couple of those. You see, friends, Mary was given a great gift. She was given the privilege of carrying the Messiah in her womb. However, that's not to say that Mary didn't have a choice to make. 
Now, her choice wasn't whether or not she would receive the gift. God had already given it to her. No, her choice was how she was going to respond to the gift. Amazingly enough, Mary responded by taking the risk of faith. Despite her life being upended, she didn't complain. She didn't want out. She didn't get upset or angry with God. There was no why me. There was no use someone else. Mary's making us all look pretty bad, isn't she? She simply acknowledged that she was God's servant and submitted to God's plan and trusted God with the results. Church, it was complete and total reliance on the Lord. And we cannot underestimate her extraordinary example of faith to you and I. Martin Luther said, there were three miracles at the nativity. That God became man, that a virgin conceived, and that Mary believed. And the greatest of these was the last. Friends, Mary responded with a type of faith that is rarely seen, yet so desperately needed in the church today. Wholehearted devotion to God's plan, whether it be for the better or for the worse. Yes, Mary had to carry the burden of public scrutiny and shame for the rest of her life. But she also got to carry the baby. She got to carry the Savior of the world. Church, when we come to faith in Christ, and when we submit to his plan for our lives, it will not always be easy. In fact, like Mary, it may very well cost us our reputation. It may very well cause us to be targets of public scrutiny. But like Mary, we must remember how blessed we are to be saved by God, saved by the living God and chosen for his service. And in remembering that truth, then responding accordingly, just like Mary did. I love the way that Peter put it in 1 Peter 4.16. He says, however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. But read this with me. But praise God that you bear that name. Praise God that you're a Christian. You shamed for it. You scrutinized for it. Praise God that you bear the name of being a Christian because you are greatly blessed. And this leads us back to today's truth to remember. Even within the mess, believers are greatly blessed. And so, friend, if you are here this morning and you've never enjoyed the blessings of being a believer in Jesus, I want you to know that you can change that today. I want you to know that Jesus loves you. He does. Jesus died for you. And Jesus offers you the free gift of eternal life. That's how you begin this journey of being blessed. That's the the initial blessing is being able to receive that free gift. And to receive this gift, you simply must acknowledge that you're a sinner, repent of your sin, and believe in Jesus. John 5, 24 says, truly, truly. And when Jesus says truly, truly, like truly is good enough, right? But when Jesus says truly, truly, it's like true times infinity, right? Like this is a big deal. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and what? Believes him who sent me has eternal life. Belief and eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to 
And so as I invite those that are closing in song to come forward, I just want to invite you, if you're here this morning, if you're not a believer in Jesus, to place your faith in Jesus today. If you are curious to know, well, what does that actually look like? I would invite you to come talk with me uh, after the service or maybe talk to somebody that maybe you came with today. Uh, but I want you to know that, that you, you will have the best Christmas, a whole new perspective on Christmas when you're one of God's children. Believe in him for eternal life. And for everyone else that's here this morning, I just want to encourage you that, yeah, life is messy. But friends, let's not forget how blessed we are to be believers in Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, I want to thank you for this morning and the opportunity uh, to open up your word. God, I thank you uh, for the example of Mary. God, that she, uh, she counted up the cost and, and she didn't complain. I mean, there's so many things she could have complained about and, and questioned and, and was nervous about, Lord. But, but you, uh, Father, she trusted in. Help us to follow her example, God, as there's so many uh, tasks that you've called us to, to fulfill as your followers. And God, it's easy for us to want to say, why me, or, or push it off on someone else, God, or just ignore it altogether. God, we have a wonderful example to follow. Help us to have the faith that Mary had. We love you, and we thank you that we are blessed, even within the mess. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.